You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 333 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. I'm very excited about this week's episode with uh, commercial photographer Tony Rosland. But, you know, um, had an exciting week. I uh, just right now just got back from uh, going to our National Gallery, Uh, of course, here. The National Gallery of Victoria. Victoria, yeah. And, And like, look, I know that the majority of the world is in some form of quarantine at the moment. So, mm. you know, um, we're in a future time zone, but we're also like, I think, in <laughs> Melbourne at the moment and in Sydney. And so touch wood, we're kind of in a, a future space. Like I could never imagine, Valerie, that maybe, I don't know, when was our last lockdown, three months ago or four months ago, that mm. I would be, you know, out and about and enjoying things and I just, like, being there today, I just realised how important it is to be around people and how important it is to actually see artwork in in the flesh, you know, yes. not on a screen. It just completely changes the experience. And also the other thing is, like, we're so used to seeing art in those tiny little squares like on our phone. Like, let, let's face it, the majority of people now browse a lot of people browse the internet on their phones so Mm. like often art is very tiny everything changes when you see it at the scale it should be Mm. so there was like gosh there's some amazing and talented photographers like you know um so i went to the um the melbourne um triennial at the you know national our national gallery here and there was like artists from all over the world and a lot of the uh the photography blew me away but it was just that experience of being able to be in front of that that work and see it at scale in these because when you go to a at like the National Gallery and I think national galleries around the world, they're all at scale as well. So, you know, mm. high ceilings, beautiful big walls. And it was just uh, – I'm so inspired, Val. And then the the – the artwork was obviously a highlight. I've just raved to you for about an hour about the <laughs> the the um an, an American collective called uh, Fallen Fruit that actually combined what they did was they created this uh, wallpaper that is just to die for, and then they mm. um they got 16th and 17th century masters in the you know the gold gilded frames. Mm. So just describing it, you think this sounds hideous. <laughs> You've seen the images, right? How beautiful is it? Yeah, so basically just, the wallpaper from top to bottom is basically floral wallpaper. Yeah. You know, and um in lots of really bold colors and it is it obviously dominates the entire wall, but as Gina said, then there's gilt framed 
paintings of old masters against what is already on a busy background. But it works superbly. It works and it's so like even from that, it's like this is not something that normally I would be into but already I'm thinking, wow, this like this combination of all these things that you don't think work together then work together and so I've come away like seeing that work and a lot of the other work and also the hour or so I just spent browsing through all the beautiful photography books in there. I'm like I've got a million ideas going on in my head. So my point was because I went off on a tangent, I actually (laughs) did a post in the uh, Facebook group about how I tell stories and uh, so oh, many people agree that. <laughs> that you know I start with an idea and then I go off on 50 different ten. that's yes. why you're here to keep me alive so my whole point was that um, you know fingers crossed for the rest of you that that you know we're gonna come out of this and there's gonna be a time when you two will be able to come together and like because I couldn't imagine it but it's like now we're in it and I think because I've just had that brutal 16 week or so lockdown I think I just everything is that little bit brighter and everything like honestly every day that I go out feels like Christmas I think Mm. we just appreciate all those little things more so I'm you know I'm excited to do more of that and I think like you know if the the pandemic itself, you know, that all the artists, performers have probably been hit the hardest. So it's like, you know, it's things like this that we can support them. We can go to the small gallery openings. We can try and um, support our friends who are artists and try and buy more local. So when you're thinking of gifts and things like that, who do you know that's an artist that's selling mm-hmm. paintings or, you know, making stuff that you can buy and, you know, just sort of like we can all help each other in that way and it's sort of I think what goes around comes around and so eventually they can support us and I guess that's the best we can do but yeah it was um it was an amazing experience and it's like now I'm like okay I need to You're go buzzing. do this every You're week inspired. I really am it's like yeah. I'm high yeah it's like I'm high on art and it mm. like I, it, it does that this is what happens every time I go to something like that and I think why don't I do why don't I do this more often you know mm. it's just such a so great true. experience yeah you need to take yourself out on a creative date every week yeah, because you were doing that a lot of that, and I think that's uh, such a, a great idea. And it's like, you know, often a lot of these, like, galleries, they have free days where you can go, and then there's galleries that, that are set up in the park, and there's installations and, and things like that, but it certainly is a uh, different experience. So the other thing, Val, is I just uh, this weekend uh, recorded all the uh, constructive critiques for the goal community. So, uh, and that was really cool. Lots of uh, amazing work coming through and welcome to all the new goldies that have come aboard. Um, yes. Hello to everyone and all the new listeners as well to the uh, the podcast. But yeah, so we recorded that and I've actually done um, a few new uh, Photoshop tutorials and it's just like they're going great guns. So like, you know, working with them. So we're working on new projects that they're working on and uh, quotes that they're doing and mm-hmm. also like, you know, they might submit um, be asked to to create a project and they might be stuck so they put it to the brains trush and and, and it's something that we all workshop together well you know have you thought of this and we and, and you know lot, lot, lots of people involved you get lots of different ideas and we sort of workshop it through and they come out the other end and they've been doing some amazing work I'm really proud of them Val 
Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if you want to find out a little bit more about what Gina's talking about, about being a member of the Gold community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold community. One of the things I love is mentoring the incredible photographers who are in my Gold community. I recently asked Kerry Setch about how much the Gold community has had an impact on her photography. It's just level upon level upon level. So when I first started, I really didn't understand even portraiture and lighting at yeah. all. So to learn those basics, but then to push myself and for you to push me in that, to, um, to uh, go that next level has been really incredible. So as well as the support and connections that have developed within the community. So um, yeah, it's been really good in the access to resources. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic, how to become a commercial photographer with guest Tony Rosland. Now, what do you got, Gina? So I uh, first saw Tony's work uh, through social media and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So I saw his product photography and I'm like, we've got to get this guy on the show. So he's actually a third generation photographer. So imagine that. Imagine having a grandfather and a father and an uncle who are all Mm. photographers and you grow up around that. So it's like, you know, a lot of the learning just happens you know, just by being around them. So exactly. So, but he actually, he specializes in uh, architecture and headshot photography and he does some product photography and, uh, and he also does some, um, fantastic, uh, tutorials. He's got a, like a, a great one on product photography for, uh, pro edu. And, um, he, he just has a, a great, uh, attitude towards photography. So, um, like his motto, his tagline on his emails and on his Instagram, which I love is do average elsewhere. <laughs> and, um, one of the favorite quotes that came out of this interview is that something that he's, uh, I think it was either his father or his grandfather said to him was, don't worry about the competition. Let them worry about you. How Ooh, strong, what great yes. advice is that? How powerful I is like it? That. Isn't it? That's amazing. So, um, you know, we break down, you know, what it's like to come through that three generations and, and you know, the, the life lessons he got out of that. And then we break down how he got into product and architecture photography, which is very different to breaking into other industries. So when you think about it, like... Uh, a lot of uh, photographers that are listening sort of when you when you talk about photography and when you talk about photography to the average person on the street the first thing they ask you is do you so weddings and it's like no there's all these other genres and commercial photography is one of those industries where it's not like you need volume clients to get by and to make a good living if you're a commercial photographer and you've got five agencies feeding you um, three or four jobs a year you are easily making six figures, easily. And so you could work two or three days a month and clear yeah. six figures. Imagine I'd love that. to. Imagine that's, that. <laughs> that's, 
imagine that. So you can, and that's what uh, those at the top end are doing. So they're, they're big jobs and the money is higher, whereas like something like portrait photography or, you know, family portraits, it's all about getting that volume in. So at the, at the high end, but with, the high, with that comes the pressure, you've got to deliver. So that motto of do average elsewhere is important. So, and that's, uh, you know, there are, so we go into like, because when you think about product photography, you might be thinking about, well, it's the pack shot that you see in the supermarket catalog. That's at the bottom end. And so that's where volume comes in. So there's photographers that make good money out of that. But what about at the other extreme, the advertising shots, you know? And so when you think about an advertising shot, it's, um, it's selling the dream valve. You know, it's not necessarily showing you, you don't, maybe don't see the product um, as clearly, but it's all, when you look at it, you want it. Is there something, what's the last product image that you looked at and you went, want, I want? Well, yours would be Nutella. Maybe. Oh, no, you know, if you've read my last newsletter, (laughs) Val, it's been four months now and it's your (laughs) fault that I've given up Nutella because you kindly very kindly sent me a Nutella bouquet <laughs> for my birthday back in September and I have no self-control. So if there's one jar or 10 jars in the house, I cannot stop. And I over did it and I've like had the biggest sugar hangover for like a week and now I associate Nutella with that hangover. So I haven't had any for four months. I've given up. So what was the last thing that you looked at and said, what, maybe the No, it was actually a jacket from Carla Zampatti. Right. So there was something about the advertising shot that you just said, want, right? Because they just make it look sexy. So that is a skill in itself, you know, and anyone who's had a dabble in a product in tabletop photography and during the pandemic will think, well, it's not, you know, to get, to bring life to a product, it's it's a hard work. So, you know, we, we go into that and then we talk about, you know, something that I think is very important in that industry is the playing the long game and in the importance of uh, developing uh, relationships. And so, you know, he shares his uh, thought process and a ton more. There's lots of great takeaways in this uh, interview. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Tony Rosalind, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I am living the dream. I tell you what. <laughs> um, one of the questions I always ask my guests is, "Where in the world are you?" Uh, I am in the Pacific Northwest in the United States, uh, in Washington State. So uh, you're like one of the fifth. Uh, people that I've interviewed from that area and I've never been that's one of the parts of uh, the US that I haven't actually visited and now I really want to go because it actually like it looks uh, quite beautiful how how uh, is it living there for you is it have you always lived in that area no I've been here about a dozen years Uh, I moved up from Southern California and you're right it's gorgeous here I wish I was a better landscape photographer because there's just so much to see here Um, there's a if you go scroll through Instagram you'll see all these ridiculous photos that people post of waterfalls and Mm. streams and all these things you know a lot of that stuff is right in this area but uh, 
Mine never seemed to look like that for some reason. <laughs> well, that's why like you've got your <laughs> other specialties. So one thing I find really intriguing about your sort of history is you're part of your like generation three of phot- photographers. So your grandfather was a photographer and your father was a photographer. I want to know what's that like for you. So can you what, what like what is your earliest childhood memory when you like going or oh, these, these this is what my dad does, this is what my grandfather does. Is there is there a moment where you decided, "Hey, I want to do this too?" Yeah, much later in life. In fact, um I didn't want to be a photographer at all because I grew up around it. Mm-hmm. Um my my grandfather, my father and his brother. So both of my grandfather's sons are photographers. Uh, mm. My my uncle uh, still runs a studio down in Florida. Um, yeah. So, you know, growing up, I didn't want anything to do with it. It was just day to day. It was my dad's work, my dad's office, you know, and I would go and hang out in the lab and play with film canisters or whatever it was that kids do. Um, and I actually joined the military for a while and served six years. And then when I returned home from the military is when I finally came around to figuring out what it was that I wanted to do with my life. And, uh, you know, I had the background of growing up in the studios and I, it turns out I knew more about it than I thought I did. I guess I just learned a lot of it through osmosis being around it, you know? So, um, but I started, uh, you know, very differently. My, my grandfather and father and uncle are portrait photographers. Uh, so I grew up in a portrait studio, um, whereas I'm, I'm a commercial photographer, so I do stuff for businesses rather than, you know, my end user is not, you know, a family per se. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, I understand what good photography looks like because I grew up around it, but, uh, you know, my, my father and my grandfather who's passed away now weren't a whole lot of help with directing, um, you know, commercial shoots and things like that. It just wasn't their area of expertise, you know. You kind of had to figure that out for yourself. But but in terms like having those two, I guess you, you'd call them mentors, is there anything mm-hmm. that like in seeing what they did or something that they said to you that you take with you today, like any any um, advice or, or a, a particular way of approaching photography that you think, yeah, that's I got that from my dad or from my grandfather or my uncle? <laughs> Yeah, two two things. One is don't go into debt over this because it's mm-hmm. such an ebb and flow business. You, you last thing you want to do is be in a downturn and owe the bank a bunch of money or credit card debt or you know loans on gear or whatever. So, makes it very hard to be creative when you're worried about just paying the bills. Um, and you tend to take jobs that you resent later if you find yourself in that position. So, I've always tried to run it as a cash business. You know. Um, and then the other piece of advice is not to worry about the competition, let them worry about you. So, uh, if you spend your time chasing pricing and trying to do what everybody else is doing, you're going to be always one step behind rather than just do what you do, worry about you, set your pricing, what you need to make or what you think you're worth and let the competition worry about you. So those two pieces of advice are the stuff that I live by for the most part. I love that. Both excellent advice. I kind of got the same advice early on in my career. I actually saw it uh, firsthand. I was coming up through one of the biggest recessions in Australia. That's when I started my business and the photographer that I worked for, that I was uh, sharing a studio 
with, I watched him lose his studio and mm. his house. And mm. at that time, I said to myself, because I knew he had a lot of uh, gear that he leased and he'd, he'd come off having a, like several really good years where he was making great money. And then, of course, everything collapsed and he was living up to that that means, you know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. and so and then when it crashed, suddenly he still had all these uh, huge overheads. So at that time, I said to myself, I'm never going to do that. I want, always want to. I'll pay cash for everything and make sure that I'm uh, always got something tucked away uh, for a rainy day. So I think that's mm-hmm. great advice. The other thing that I love is uh, your tagline on your email and on your Instagram <laughs> and everywhere. Do average mm. elsewhere. So you're all about getting uh, p- producing good, high quality. Uh, work, which I think today that like there's kind of two ways you can go with photography. I see people that it's like, don't worry so much about the product. It's the marketing that's more important. So if you can focus all your time on getting hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers and, you know, having like posting on social media you and you're going to make a good living that way. And I, like I see you, like you've got like a decent following on Instagram, but it's, you know, it's not in the hundreds of thousands and yet you have a very successful business. And from what I see, it's by being excellent at what you do, then that attracts the work. Is that how it works for you? Yeah. You know, most of the social media following and that stuff is really um, from my tutorials. Uh, We'll get into that later, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, most of the, the, that following is from people who have purchased the tutorial and found me through, through that Avenue. Um, I don't, you know, I, I wish I got more, but I don't get a ton of work through social media. Um, most of the work that I get is from word of mouth. That has always been my best advertisement. Um, as you say, just doing good work and, you know, the clients come, you know, um, and trying to market and believe me, I've tried a ton of it, you know, mailers and postcards and advertising and, you know, all of the things, um, none of that has the same return on investment as spending that same amount of time and just trying to, perfect the craft uh, I found has been a better return on investment for me. Yeah, I think there's a, a quite a lot of um, misinformation out there about like what is involved in marketing yourself as a photographer. And I think a lot of new photographers starting out get really discouraged because you mm-hmm. hear there's a lot of uh, people that are teaching now that are saying, hey, I grew my business to multiple six figures in six months. You can be like me, follow, do my do my workshop, right? And it's like, and people believe that or they see on social media, look, look at me, I'm a successful photographer. I've been doing this for three months and I'm like killing it. But it's, it's, from my experience, it's not the case. And I'm a big, big believer in playing the long game. And uh, in, in terms of like, when I first started out finding clients, like the first time I did some cold calling, I'd ring someone once, go, hey, hey, can I show you my folio? And they go, oh, we're really busy now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, they don't, they don't want to see me. And I'd give up. And then, and then uh, like several people said to me, no, you've got to go back like several times. And then I realized that like, it's about developing those relationships and having playing the long game and waiting it out what what has been your approach over the years I know you're getting work by word of mouth but initially getting your um, foot in the door how did you approach that 
Oh, well, um, you know, like you said, the long game, I call it the long con, um, but same, same concept where you're, you're building that network of, of contacts. Um, and the interesting thing is you never know where it's going to come from. So, (laughs) you know, you could be at a restaurant, um, having dinner and you love the dish you were served. (laughs) And on the way out, you see the chef and you're like, Hey, you know, that was great meal, best salmon I've ever had in my life or whatever. And next thing you know, you're in a conversation and they ask what you do and you tell them and they go, Hey, Oh man, Hey, my, my brother is releasing a new set of knives. I need to, he wants to have them photographed. I should have him call you, you know? And so you just never know where it's going to come from. So, you know, I just try to make as many connections as I can. Um, and, and maintain those connections, whether it's just a a Christmas card now and then, or, you know, going to some sort of a, um, holiday party or whatever it is, uh, because that is really, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's the long game where you have to be at the right place at the right time. And that may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may be five years from now. And the person goes, Oh yeah, Tony, I should call that guy and have him do the photos, you know? Um, now, obviously, starting out, you don't have that option if you want to start making money sooner than later. So um, I really, you know, started, of course, you hit up all the people you know. Um, and I think that's obviously the best way. Start with who you know and work out and, and broaden your circle from there. So when you were starting out, uh, what was your approach to pricing your photography? Because, you know, there's a lot of conversations like, you know, and we see a lot of photographers that are saying, I'm just going to do it for free because no one will book me otherwise. And then you're forever the free photographer. It's a very dangerous Mm. move. And so how did you grow your folio and how did you get your name out there in the early days? What was your approach? Now, see, I have a little bit of a different opinion on that. So mm. I tell people that are trying to do that, do the work for free. Right. Because if you do it for free, you haven't set a precedent for, for a cost. Whereas if you do it for, say, 50 bucks because you're just starting out, well, if the person likes the work and comes back, well, now you set a precedent for 50 bucks. So they're going to expect that the next time around. Or if they refer somebody and that person comes to you and goes, hey, you did this great work for for John. I have this product. I would like photograph too. And you hit them with $500. They're going to be like, whoa, you know, how do you explain the discrepancy in price? Either you were, you didn't know what you were doing the first time around or you're screwing them now, one of the two. So, you know, I think charging anything, um, if you're not at fair market is, is a mistake. So uh, my recommendation to people is either do it for free and tell them that you're doing it for portfolio work. Okay, that's um, and, that 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 that's the that, that that's the difference there because you're saying I'm not doing it for free and I won't be forever free. You're doing it for folio, so it's just like you know pointing that out to the client. This is for folio to build my portfolio because I'm starting out. And I, th- I think a lot of new photographers are often afraid to let the client know that hey, this is my this is my first time in the job. W- were you telling clients I'm new to this? I'm I, I want to break into this this particular genre can I shoot your products or can I shoot your interior did you actually were you open about how new you were to the game early on no I, I was smoking mirrors <laughs> I, you know, I, I went in like I own the place and I was like oh my god these let's let's use um, 
I don't know, a teapot, for example, right? Mm. I, I would go into the owner and go, oh my gosh, I love these teapots, the contour of these things and the finish. I don't know what you guys put on these things. They're amazing. Hey, I'm a product photographer. I would love to shoot this thing. If you let me uh, take one of these back to the studio and, and shoot it, I'll give you the images at no charge. I just I just really am, am intrigued by this product. And they're going to go, oh, you know, they're excited because I'm excited. And they're like, sure, take it with you. Next thing you know, I've got a variety of products for local business owners that I've photographed. People recognize those products. They see them in my portfolio and they go, oh, that guy has shot that. I know that teapot maker. Oh, he's shot these knives. I know that knife manufacturer, you know. And so then they start coming to you and saying, hey, I saw the work that you did on this teapot and this knife. Um, I have these widgets I'd like photographed. Um, can you give me a price for that? And right, that's kind right, of how I went right. about it. So, okay, so so it's like um, the way that they they cast a Hollywood movie. If you can get one name, and then you can say we've got Brad Pitt, he's agreed to it, and then that gets you everyone else. So you've got your teapot is your big name company that's on your that's in your portfolio, and then suddenly that attracts uh, all the other uh, different uh, companies. But how does the conversation go when you approach that company? Hey, I want to photograph this teapot. I love the teapot. I'm going to do, you know, I, I want it in my folio. You, you give them the images. How's the next conversation go? How, how do you convert that free shoot, folio mm -hmm. shoot, to a paying gig? Hey, we loved the teapot photos you did for us. They're amazing. I was showing my my marketing person and, and the owner of the company. They thought they were fantastic. In fact, they wanted me to reach out and, and see about shooting our whole product line. And I go, great. I would love to. It was really cool. Those things were really challenging to shoot, though. Um, why, don't, why don't we sit down and go over the SKUs that you need photographed? Or let's talk about the views. If you guys have a shot list or you know what you already need, uh, send that over to me and I'll put together an estimate and send back your way. Right, and you just do that confidently, and then it's it's like here's the prices. So you've already kind of auditioned for them. They've seen what you're capable of, and mm -hmm. obviously, when you do that shoot, you spend you know make sure that it's absolutely perfect in keeping mm -hmm. your your tagline, and uh, and then you've got them after that. That that's a way that's of it. like you develop that relationship, and that might take a little while, but you could be doing that with several different contacts. Mm -hmm. I put the hook out there and they bit it and I yanked it as hard as I could and got them hooked, you know? So that was, you know, that's how you do it. You just, you got to do really good work. That's the foundation of the whole thing here. If, if you shoot that teapot and you do a really bad job at it, um, they're not going to be interested in the work, but if you can crush it and spend the time to do it right, remember you have no deadline. Um, you have no restrictions on the creative freedom that you have and you just crush the shoot when you send that back if they're impressed they will call you know um now of course some of this is timing um they have to be in need of having photos done um you want to know your audience so if i am approaching a, a somebody who makes teapots and they have a legendary photographer or somebody who's excellent already shooting their product they're going to be less impressed with what I do for them, right? Mm. Um, so you, you got to kind of know your audience, do some research, find a product that you really want to shoot or a client that you really want to work with that needs photography, in your opinion at least, and and make sure that that's who you're going after. Um, trying to take business from somebody who's doing a, a banging job is really tough, you know. Mm. Um, taking business from somebody else who's doing a poor job, um, that's just ripe for pickings. 
I think uh, where we are now, so at the time of recording, we're recording this in um, January 2021. The whole world's kind of uh, at at a bit of a standstill because of the COVID situation. So here we have photographers and you might be like an emerging portrait photographer or you're just starting out. I think uh, tabletop product photography is a great way to get your foot in the door. This is how I started out as a photographer, and I'm, I'm doing uh, m- mostly uh, commercial portraiture now, but I started out doing that tabletop uh, product photography, and it's something that you don't need a lot of space for, and you've got an opportunity to go out and into your local community and hit up those, uh, you know, mum and pop manufacturers, and, you know, that they might have a range of not just teapots, but tea, and today, everyone has a social media presence. They've got to get it out there to get those products out there, so I think it's a, a great mm-hmm. opportunity to get out there and uh, and do that sort of work, so... In terms of uh, product photography, and I know you've got a fantastic uh, course on uh, product photography for its uh, Pro Edu, isn't it? Like uh, the, the name of the. Yes, yes, it was produced through ProEDU.com, and it's a uh, twenty-hour, a little over twenty hours of product photography tutorial. Okay, fantastic, and and so. If you were someone that's just starting out, not a lot of experience with product photography, but maybe you know how to use your camera in manual mode and you've got like a couple of speed lights or a couple of studio lights mm-hmm. and you want to get into product photography, where would you start? Well, like what would be kind of the good good products that give you um, great images, but not a lot of, uh, not as hard as uh, certain other products? What would you recommend uh, mm-hmm. we start? start with to get great product and what are the sort of uh minimum sort of uh little bits and pieces that you need what's your what's your sort of go-to setup for something simple like that well yeah i guess um as far as the product that you're going to shoot um something sexy is always good i mean you can shoot anything you want but if you're shooting pencils um you know that's a lot harder to make you're saying pencils aren't sexy <laughs> they can be you know I, believe me i've shot some pretty bland uh products before and they turned out to be pretty darn attractive by the time we were done but yeah. that's it's hard to do it takes a bit of time and creativity to get there uh starting out in my opinion i think technology items um you know i'm talking into a fancy looking road microphone right now um, most of us are carrying some sort of smartphone photographers have um, you know all kinds of gizmos and gadgets and things like that gimbals and all kinds of cool things uh, that stuff usually lends itself um, to look pretty cool um, you know to a variety of backgrounds and dramatic lighting and things like that so I would say you know run down to your local electronics or technology store and pick up a few items and you know they don't have to be expensive things Mm. but just stuff uh you know get in nice and tight find a nice macro lens a 100 millimeter macro is a good good lens if you're going to have one lens in product photography i think that's a good way to start and you know you can get some overall shots of a product but you can also get in nice and tight and capture some detail images of a product and you know one product you can probably end up with I don't know, four, five, six images, uh, you know, different angles, different textures, different pieces of the product, um, just on one little product. And if you put those together in your portfolio, um, it does two things. One, it gives you content for your portfolio. 
But two, it shows a client that you have the ability to shoot consistently. And that's something that they're looking for is to make sure that this wasn't a one hit wonder. So if you can shoot a project, a product and have, you know, three, four, five photos of it, different angles that are all consistent in color and contrast and exposure, uh, that's going to help demonstrate that you do have the, you do know what you're doing and you have the ability to have some consistency in your work. So what would be your go-to set? So like be- before we get into that, it's like there's pro- there's lots of different genres of product photography. So it's not just like, you mm-hmm. know, you'll see pack shots, but they're all the way to high-end mm-hmm. conceptual advertising products. So what are the different areas uh, of product photography uh, that Mm-hmm. So you have, there's a few and you can make money at all of them, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I tend to try to stick to the advertising side of it, um, where I'm shooting ad style campaigns. Yep. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't do some of the other stuff. It's just not what I advertise for because it's not the work that I want. So, exactly. you know, uh, you, you know, show what you want to show the work that you want to try to get. Right. So, mm. um, having said that, Pack shots or catalog photography, I call it. Yep. Um, same thing. You know, you're doing, somebody will come to you and say, we make these widgets. I have 250 different versions of it. We need two shots of each, you yep. know, on a white. And it's like, okay, I want to slip my wrists doing this. It's the <laughs> most boring, mundane thing I've ever done. But um, it does, you know, you can make money doing it. And it gives you the ability to dial in a, a set and a technique and a workflow um, and kind of get that perfected so that when you do start shooting other genres in the, in the product photography realm, um, you know, you're not fumbling with the camera and the lights and the workflow and things like that. So um, the other thing is editorial. Uh, so there's a lot of need for product photography in the editorial realm uh, for magazines, for blogs, for ads, or for uh, um uh, sorry, blogs, magazines, etc. And then you have the last one, which is ads. Uh, and you would do, you know, that's your bigger budget, high end stuff, maybe just a couple of shots of a, of a hero product of some sort. So all three of those have their place. Um, and they all are shot in different styles, and they all have different rules. So, so with, with the pack shots, basically, you've got to think about uh, there to show exactly what the product looks like. So can, can you just like just briefly explain the difference between the look of a pack shot to the look of a lifestyle or editorial shot to the look of a high-end concept sort of uh, product, uh, commercial product shoot, advertising? What What is the difference stylistically in the three? Because I think a lot of photographers get confused at the outset. And also, if you're confused by this, you might get confused by pricing and uh, overprice your pack shots and underprice mm-hmm. the advertising shots. So what is the difference? And I do that still. I underprice my my hero shots and I overprice my pack shots yeah, right. and I don't get either job. You know, that's <laughs> that's something that if any photographer tells you they have it down to a science, they're lying to you mm. because that's something that is a constant battle for all of us is finding that line that's, you know, I refer to it uh, when I talk to people, if I'm uncomfortable with the final price, and my client is uncomfortable with the final price, then that's probably the right price. That's great so, advice. You know, I like that. <laughs> if I don't feel like I'm getting paid enough and they feel like they're paying too much, then we're probably right where we need to be. So, yeah. um, and that's going to be an ongoing thing for every photographer out there in this, in this field. But, um, you know, a, a product shot 
the catalog shot, the idea there is to show the the product in its entirety. You want to show the features, the details, so that somebody has a very good understanding of what it is they're about to buy. Um, they want to be able to see the color accurately, um, the scale accurately. They want to see, you know, let's use technology as an example. They want to see what the ports it has on it that you can plug stuff into. They want to see, you know, a, all of that stuff so that they know exactly what they're going to buy. Um, when it comes to editorial, you're creating a photo that goes along with a story um, of some sort. So whatever that narrative is that the author is trying to tell, you need to think of how you can put that into a picture. You know, the old adage of a picture is worth a thousand words. And that's that holds true there. You need to figure out a way to photograph whatever it is that that story is about and put that into a photo narrative. Um, and sometimes they can get pretty quirky. I've seen some uh, excellent editorial photographers out there that do some amazing stuff with composites and things like that for editorial work. And it's like, wow, I would have never even thought of that, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the advertising is a whole nother realm where our job is to we're the attention grabbers at the advertising level. We have a split second to make somebody stop scrolling in their feed or that's walking through a store or that's flipping through a magazine and they, they see that full page spread. We have a split second to capture their attention. So we need to figure out a way to do that. We're not trying to sell the whole product. All we need to do is capture their attention long enough to make them, to make them look twice, you know? Um, and so we do that through, you know, lighting and, and composition and making things look as, as in my term, sexy, sexy. as possible. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's how yeah. you describe a great, uh, advertising shot. It's like the product looks sexy and it's like the whole notion of advertising it's, it, it is that uh, you're a better person when you have this product in your life because mm -hmm. there's something that the way that everything is advertised is there is something wrong with you, this is what will fix you having this product there is a lack <laughs> this fills the hole sure yeah I, and the can the, the, the camera manufacturers are the best at that because yeah. they have way too much gear right so <laughs> um you know that's that's exactly it in all three of those areas and you know there's micro genres underneath all yeah. of that stuff but those are the three big headers right so and that's what i go over in the tutorial is those three categories and i think that um you know, each of them has their place. You can be good at all three. You can be good at just one. You can make money doing any or all of them together. Um, and there's a lot of people who have a system down and they can just do pack shots all day long, every yep. day, and they make a fortune at it, you know. Because um, it's volume. People, it's volume with yeah, the pack oh, shots. Oh, yeah. And, and, and th those businesses, like if you want to be a pack shot, and I've known lots of photographers that have made really good money doing that, but, it, but just be aware that it's volume. And if you've got systems in place, you can do really well out of uh, just doing pack shots shots as you can doing uh advertising and sometimes you you do need to do all three and i think it's important to not look down on oh it's just a pack shot because you might be the pack shot photographer but then there's something about how the, the company just liked you as an individual and they're like let's let's give let's give this person the like a go at the lifestyle shot and then wow, we love that, let's do it as advertising. So it's again, it's that getting in front of people and developing that relationship where in a couple of years you might be taken to the next level with that particular art director as well. 
Yeah, you know, a couple of things on that. One, you know, if you can get in with an art director, that's usually a good thing because they go from one company to the other. Mm. They don't stay with an ad agency. And if they have a photographer they like, they're going to take you with them, you know, um, and you'll be shooting with them regardless of where they go. So that's that's great. And hopefully you'll leave a wake of good work uh, behind you and the other people that worked at those agencies will want to hire you as well. The other thing is that not everybody wants to do the advertising stuff. There's a lot of pressure there to be working on a set with art directors and stylists and assistants and grips and all these people and have this pressure of creating this epic imagery that's going to be used and they're paying a huge budget for it and it can be stressful. Not everybody wants to do that. There's a lot of people who are perfectly content just doing pack shots, just banging out pack shots all yep. day, every day. You know, they go into work, there's no stress. They know what they have to do. I need to get through these 200 products today. And, you know, they have a workflow and a system and they, you know, they can do it. Um, it's, it's really, you just got to kind of get in and find out what turns you on, what gets you out of bed in the morning. You know, for me, pack shots don't get me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. I wake up and I'm like, oh crap, I got to go do this today. I try to find any, oh, I can sort socks instead today or whatever it is that, <laughs> that keeps me away from that stuff. But some people love it, you know, yeah. like, like well, well, weddings, right? Like I, there's no way I would, I can't stand it. It's not fun for me. Yeah. It's stressful. It's not something that gets me excited, but there's people that love shooting weddings, you know? Um, you know, so everybody has their thing. And, you know, I think that if somebody's interested in doing product photography, they just got to kind of dabble in it and see where they, A, what they like doing, and B, where's the work? You know, if you might want to be an, a huge advertising product photographer, but if there's no ad agencies in your town, you're going to have a tough time with that. Maybe there's a lot of manufacturing in your town and you can do a bunch of pack shots. So you got to kind of look at that too and see where, what business is around you and where you have an opportunity to make a living. Yeah, that's great advice. I think it's a say yes to everything when you're starting out because that's the only way to find out and you'll, you'll surprise yourself as to, wow, I really enjoy doing this or I really do, I thought I'd enjoy doing this and I don't. Um, what I'm um, very interested in is uh, your thought process to tackling a product shot because you've got this inanimate object and you have to make it like stand out on the page, jump out, and as you said, stop the scroll. So uh, whenever you've got like say a, a high-end advertising shoot and they've said, all right, here's the product. Uh, th there's kind of a, a couple of ways that the shoot might uh, proceed. It's either the art director will say, we've got a concept, here it is, and then you're, mm -hmm. you're, you've got to come along and light it. It's kind of my least favorite way to work because it's like I feel like I'm just a button pusher in that situation. Mm -hmm. right? Do, do you agree with that? I just, uh, it's a real yeah. push-pull, it's a struggle. But then when you've got – and I say that like that can be okay, but it, it can also be great because when you've got a fantastic art director who just comes in and go, here's the concept, you go, oh my God, and you're so into it and you work together and then you might bring in a couple of, how about we take what you've just suggested and take it to the next level and why don't we just switch up this lighting and add this and then it's a sort of a, a collaboration or it's just like, do it like this or... The final way that I love is like, what do you think? What should we do for this? So how, what's your approach? How do you find your working? Is it a combination of the three or are they coming to you and going, we love your style, do what you do with this product? Um, yes. <laughs> the the 
all three, although I have my favorites, um, and I'm opposite of, of what you say. So, um, you know, if they come to you with a concept and they say, this is what we want to execute. Um, if it's a good concept that can be extremely challenging because they come to you with something you look at and you go, how in the world am I supposed to do this? You know? And so you have a lot of problem solving to do to get to that final result. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff is mocked up or drawn up or mm. composited together with random stuff off the interwebs or whatever. And you're like, this is not really even possible. So let me figure out how I'm going to make the impossible possible. Um, and so that can be fun. Um, my problem with the opposite end of that spectrum where they just give you free reign, right, is you get to you hang yourself with too much rope. Uh, mm. You know, you get all this creative freedom. And you sit there spinning your wheels trying to come up with something. You just burn. At least I do. I burn all my time. It keeps me up at night. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the client um, that they're going to love that meets their needs for what it is they're trying to accomplish. And it, that can be really hard. I think um, I like it when an, an art director, a creative director brings me the concept. You know, they've done their job. Let me do, let me execute it and bring it to life now. Um, that's how I prefer to work. But having said that, I've had to do the other way too. They come to me, you know, obviously somebody's hiring you because they've seen your work and they like your work and they like your style. And that's what they're looking for is something similar to that um, for their project. But um, I just, I struggle with it when they give me too much creative freedom. I, I flounder around. I don't know what to do. Um, I, I th overthink it, I guess. I don't know. Right. So in terms of um, your relationship with that product, so so I know as a, a portrait photographer that when I've got someone in front of me, I, I've got that first initial meeting and uh, I size them up. And so I need to determine whether they're introverted or extroverted, what I can say, how far I can push them, what I need to do to get that expression out of them that's going mm -hmm. to capture that portrait. Now, when you've got this inanimate object in front of you, what 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 are some of the things that you do? Because I've spoken to landscape photographers who insist that the best way to get a good landscape shot is to just not get, rock up and, and, and just shoot it. Like you've got to sit with the land and get to know the land and get a feeling and it tells you something about it, right? And that, that's a lot of, like, there's kind of, it's a woo-woo way of thinking, but I kind of dig <laughs> yeah. it. Is there something that you do to, because... You've got to connect that product to the consumer who's looking at it, who also feels something. It's pointless taking a photo if the person who d doesn't react to the shot, it's flat, it doesn't have any energy. What do you do to put the energy, what's your thinking process in getting that energy, bringing that product to life? What are the things, some of the things you do? You know, I have a huge collection of inspirational photos. Right. So I, I'll see work and I'll screen grab it and throw it into a folder. Um, there used to be an app, it doesn't exist anymore, called Ember that I used to use. And I could you could just dump photos into it and then categorize them. You could keyword them, tag them, whatever. And then later, if I wanted to go back and find... Um, I don't know, shoes, right? I could type in shoes and it would bring up every image that I ever tagged with shoes and I could get all these ideas of how shoes have been shot. And for me, when I do that, I go through um, and that starts to get the creative juices flowing, get some ideas in my head and then I can put the product in front of the camera and start shooting um, based on the creative vibe that I'm feeling. And 
you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you think it works and you go home and you come back the next day and you're like, well, what was I thinking? This is garbage, you know? Um, and so I, I use a lot of inspirational stuff. It may be, I may be shooting a, um, you know, a rubber duck and I'm looking at photos of, you know, an iPhone for inspiration. It doesn't have to even be the same product, but, you know, I go, oh, I really love how this kind of jumps off the black background and it's just rim lit and there's just a very slight gradient on the screen, you know, and I may use that same idea to light another product, you know, my rubber ducky, right? So, um, and, and I start to put that together and a lot of times, um, it just kind of unfolds into something totally different as you get it and you start going down. You just have to have a starting point. You got to have some kind of inspiration to start and then it starts to unfold and it comes and before you know it, you know, my assistants can tell when I'm excited because I get quiet. I'm like, Ooh, and and I start running around and instead of asking them to move lights and do stuff, I'm just in there doing it myself (laughs) because I, you know, it's in my head. All of a sudden it just clicks and you see it in your head and you're like, okay, now I see what the end result looks like and I just have to move my lights around and get everything the way that I want it to execute that. And they have no idea what's in my head. So, and and I I just find it easier to do it myself than try to um, articulate to them where I want lights and where I want the product to be and that kind of stuff. So um, that's the fun part of this, right? Is, is the creative, when you get that creative juice flowing. And I think a big, big part of that is, is, um, being in a space that you feel is creative, mm. you know, um, a lot of people are working from home or working on location for product, that kind of stuff. And, you know, you got to try to set it up in a way that you can, you know, without the distractions and just kind of figure out a way to make it a creative space for yourself. I, I have a studio, so, you know, that's set up for me and I come in here every day and I feel good. And, mm. um, there's a lot of photos around and, and old, classic cameras and, you know, whatever else here. And it it all just helps add to that creative vibe, you know? Um, and so I think that's important. I also think that having gear that you are comfortable with and that you're happy with makes a difference. Mm. If you're fighting with your gear all day long, uh, it's going to make it really hard to be creative. You know, lights aren't firing consistently or, you don't quite have the modifier that you need to get the look that you're after. And so you're trying to hobble something together, you know, um, that, that can all make a big difference too. So and it takes years to get there. You know, this isn't something that happens overnight. It does. And we just need to keep reminding people it's not going to happen overnight, but if you are prepared to play that long game, then you will get there. Like you just got to hang in there, but like be prepared to put, put in the work and don't listen to the people that are saying this can happen in three months or six months. It It, it is a long game. Um, just on that, how, how important have mentors been? I'm just like, obviously they're there's your father and grandfather, but they weren't necessarily in uh, the, the same shooting in the same genres or the kind of the same era as you. So uh, do, do you have mentors that have inspired you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's obviously photographers out there that I admire their work um, in, the, in the photography realm, um, you know, in, in product. Uh, Mark Tool is one who he's down in uh, Southern California, one of the best product photographers that I've seen. Um, and then I got a whole list of them. I mean, there's a ton of great ones out there. Um, but uh, my, my biggest mentor in the industry as a as a whole has been Rob Grimm. And he was one of the founders of the the company that did my tutorial. Actually, that's how that tutorial came to be is that he and I were friends when he started that tutorial company. And ultimately I ended up 
being able to do a tutorial with them. But um, he was a, a huge inspiration for me and a, and a mentor in that um, he would give me honest feedback. And I think that's one of the things that you need to find somebody who's honest with you instead yep. of somebody who will tell you what you want to hear because that's yes. not going to help you at all. You know, people write me all the time that, you know, bought the tutorial and they've, they've tried the work and they send me their, their photos and they're like, what do you think? And I want to write back and say, I think it's garbage, but I don't do that. I write them back and say, hey, this, I think this is where you can improve. This is what I would do differently, that kind of stuff. Um, try to do some positive reinforcement. You know, I don't blow smoke at the same time. I right. tell them the truth. Hey, you know, I think that this is a good starting point, but I don't think it's ready, you know, for, for your portfolio yet, you know. Um, and he did that with me, but more than that uh, was, you know, the business side, pricing, things like that, learning how to deal with um, bigger clients, um, you know, Google and and Verizon and Home Depot and some of these clients that I've worked with over the years, um, you know, that can be intimidating if you haven't done that before. And yeah. so Rob had worked with all of these large companies, you know, he's a huge shooter out of Chicago and, you um, you know, was able to kind of walk me through that process, tell me what to expect. You know, I would get some pushback on a price or something and he would reaffirm that, hey, you're right. They're just trying to talk you down. Just stick to your guns, you know, this kind of stuff. And, you know, so I guess my point is that it doesn't matter where you are in your career. You're going to need some mentorship with some aspect of your job, whether it's just starting out and you need some basic uh, mentorship on lighting and composition or whether you're further along and you're going to the next level and you need some mentorship on, you know, how to deal with big brands or something, but all of us need help from somewhere. And, um, I was fortunate enough to have some, some help from not only my family, but people like Rob along the way. And, uh, you know, I've managed to make a living at this. So fantastic. And, and finally, how important is, uh, doing personal projects? And it's like, I know you're very busy and it's hard when you're in that, like you've got like lots of clients throwing work at you to take that time out to do personal projects, but is that something you still do? Or? I wish, um, yeah. I, I, I shoot for money. Yeah. Uh, um, unfortunately I, you know, I wish it was different, um, that I had time and I had, um, you know, the energy to shoot personal work. Um, I have boxes and shelves of products that I've picked up over the years that I'm like, Ooh, I want to shoot this. And it never got shot. Um, and one of my resolutions for 2021, as it is every year is to shoot more personal work and it never happens. So, um, unfortunately I've just kind of, um, you know, accepted the fact that, I shoot for money and that's yep. when I shoot, <laughs> you know, I've got two kids at home and yep. you know, um, a whole bunch of stuff happened in my household and yep. you know, whatever else is going on in life. And if I have free time, it's not spent in the studio shooting for free. So, right, right, right. How old are the kids? Uh, my son is just about to turn two, uh, Soren and my daughter Elsa is just about to turn nine. So two and nine. Do you think they'll follow in your footsteps? Would you encourage that? <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> it's you know, a tough question, uh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I support them in whatever they want to do, but yeah. this is a tough life. Photography, yeah. any, you have to have some intestinal fortitude. Mm. Those people that are working a nine to five job and they're not happy there and they want to do something creative. And so they've been doing some photography on the side and they're hoping that someday they can jump from their job and do photography full time. Need to understand that this is not 
at least for most of us, uh, most of the people that I know in the industry, it is not a steady paycheck. I mean, it goes up and down. Mm. Um, you know, the economy plays a huge part on on our income. Um, you know, whether people are spending money on advertising or not, or whether they're updating their websites or not, or whether they need headshots or not, or, you know, whatever genre you're in. So it's a tough, you have to really be able to... Um, you know, it, it makes you sick sometimes, you know, and then other times you're, you're flooded with work and things are great and you want to buy a new car and all, you know, all of that good things are happening. So, uh, and it's, yeah, it it's can tough. be the, it, but it can also be the greatest job in the world. And how many people get to say like, on, like I have not suffered Monday itis for at least 30 years, you Never. know, because I don't, it's like, I don't understand what that means. I, I don't understand that concept of, oh, bummer, it's Sunday night, I've got to go to work tomorrow. I'm like, I'm, I'm so excited. And, the, you know, to me, I'm living the best life. I love my job. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, like you say, I'm looking forward to Monday. Um, people think I'm crazy because I can't yeah. wait to get to work on Monday. I yeah. love my job. Yeah. And once you can accept the fact that, Hey, you need to be smart with how you run your business. You need to make sure that you're socking some money away for the rainy days yeah. and you need to be concentrating on putting out good work, um, so that you can always have a, a pipeline of clients. Um, then you really can just, shoot and enjoy it and be creative and not worry so much about about the the job um and just like you say it's the best job in the world to me I, you know whenever we're out on a shoot i look at tim my assistant and i say hey man would you rather be in a cube right now banging out spreadsheets or would you yeah. rather be here doing shooting this brewery drinking a beer while we shoot you know i mean it's really the the coolest um job i think that there is um, i but, agree i agree a thousand percent it is the coolest job we're very very lucky to be able to do what we do um Tony, this has been fantastic, and it's like I would love to have you back on. I want to talk about your uh, architecture and interiors because I also think that that is absolutely uh, stunning work that you do. Uh, but Thank you. For, for the listeners, uh, where can people see your work and um, and find you? What where are the best places? Yeah, so Instagram is the biggest platform for me, um, and it's just Tony Roseland is my handle. And the same thing on YouTube, it's Tony Roseland. I think I'm up to, I don't know, about 10,000 followers on YouTube. Not a huge, not a huge audience, but we do put out a lot of videos and mm. um, we're revving up this year. Uh, we're going to be putting them out uh, more consistently this year. We took last year off because of COVID. Um, we stayed out of the studio for a lot of the time. And so we just didn't put much out, but uh, we're back in the game this year. And so we try to put stuff out on YouTube, but Instagram and YouTube under Tony Roseland is the best places to find me. Fantastic. I'll put all those links in the show notes and then you and I'll also put a link to your uh, product photography tutorial in there as well, which I think, what, 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 what is it? 20 hours of, uh, yeah, it's over 20 hours. Yeah, actually. fantastic. And it goes through, you know, uh, it goes through all those genres. We start with very basic, um, you know, just natural light uh, and an inexpensive camera, like a point and shoot. Yep. And then we move into using, you know, like a an inexpensive, like a Rebel with speed lights. And then, you know, we move up through the gear. And by the end of the tutorial, we're shooting with a phase one and pro photo lights and we're doing advertising style shots. But we go through the whole thing and um, we just tried to cover the all the bases in, in one Fa tutorial. Fantastic. That's great. Um, Tony, thanks so much for, for your time today. I just wish you continued success and I look forward to chatting to you again. Thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. 
All right, there you go, Tony Rosland. It's great. If you want to check him out, go to tonyrosland.com. So what are you doing in the coming week, Gina? Now that you've got, you've obviously been A, inspired, B, have a new sense of freedom. So what's going to happen? Uh, so I've got more outings to do, what are you several do? more outings. Oh, you've got some oh, shoots so, happening. And I've got some shoots, so I'm shooting lifestyle, so I'm working on a uh, another show, so we'll be doing those this week. And then, um, Valerie, mm. do you know it's hot cross bun season? I know. I have <laughs> a packet. I was going to send you a photo, <laughs> but I didn't want to be a feeder. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know you're like you're trying to be good ah. and you're as bad as I am is it's like you've got them in the house you can't resist mm. and I didn't want to be that person that goes look at looky looky because you go you just jump in the car and go straight but I was mm-hmm. like I treated myself on the weekend and oh my god they're so good I just love them mm-hmm. and it's like so you know up until Easter you can buy hot cross buns and so yes uh that is uh the replacement for Nutella because <laughs> it's like a sweet bread so that's what i've been dreaming about so you know i'll be indulging in those in fact when i get off this call <laughs> i'm going to go and eat the rest of the hot cross buns oh my what god what about you now that you've put that <laughs> I'm in so my sorry. head i'm so oh, sorry no. <laughs> okay I'm now so that's all sorry, i can think it- about yeah, I know. It's terrible. Mm. Um, okay, so what am I doing in the coming week? I'm doing um, – I'm calling it my 10% week because what I'm really great at is going hard for the first 90% and really just smashing things out and working really hard. And then when I know that I've got there or almost there but I, I haven't tied up the loose ends – I yeah. I leave it <laughs> and I don't tie up the loose ends and yeah, right. it can still move forward without the loose ends. It's just yeah. the it, – because that's not going to impact, you know, my client or whoever it is that I'm working with. The loose ends impact me um, and what? I've got so, so a, many Give things. an example of that, that last 10%. It's like you've built a cabinet and you varnished it and you should have put three, like four layers, but you put three. Okay, so I might have painted a painting and it's complete yeah. and it's varnished yeah. and it's all those sorts of things. But maybe yeah. I want to put it, you know, store it in the cupboard or something, right? Because I've... Uh, you don't store it. No, 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 no. Um, but... Um, what would make sense, see, I, I do store it in the cupboard, but in fact, if it sells next week, I, I take it out, I go, oh, I need to put the hooks in or the D-rings in and then I've got yeah. to put the wire. If It would make more sense if I put the D-rings in, put the wire, wrap it beautifully, bubble wrap it, label it so that when it sells next week, I literally just pick it up and send it as opposed to yeah. then having the whole rigmarole of having to get it out again and do that and then pack it and you know what I mean. So that's and one example. And is photographing the painting in the 90%? Is taking the photo in the 90%? In some paintings, yes, it is. So, in fact, I did yeah. – I photographed four paintings today. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so in some cases it, it, it is. And I what I am trying to do – so I did a big declutter of my studio. So what I am trying to do 
is just work on a more streamlined system so it's not a pain in the ass to do all the little things. It's fun to create the stuff, right? But then all the little things that you need to do, whether that's photography or artwork or whatever, there's always those little things. There's the admin, there's the file naming, there's all of those, creating the folders, all this kind of stuff. Um, Labeling, if you have a workflow that's good from the start, whatever your creative process is, then it's you're not going to fall down at the little things. So hmm. that's what, you know, I'm, I've been really great at in terms of writing because I've been doing writing for decades um, and I just need to get all of those systems in place so that it become, the little things become a more pleasurable experience. Otherwise, so all you do is create. All, all you do is create yeah. and you're not never, which is the fun part and you never do the... The other stuff. So those niggly 10%ers uh, build up over the oh. year and I'm trying to think of the podcast that I heard about it on and maybe if someone knows they can tell me but I'll just – they mentioned the hour of power and so what you do – and I've been doing this, Val. Mm-hmm. So you set aside an hour and you tell yourself because this is important mm-hmm. – for the next hour, I'm going to do all those little, little jobs things, yeah. that I, the little tiny things that you just, that, that literally take you five minutes, yes. like change the light globe, know. Um, you know, order the washer for the dripping oh, tap, you yeah. know, call that person back. Yeah. And you go, in this next hour, I'm going to do as many of these things. You make a list. Yes. And then you cross them off, and it's very, very satisfying. Mm. So I try and like, batch that sort of stuff not always successful but again if you can get a quarter of that stuff done because it's like the the thought of the 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 space that that thought takes up in your head yeah and the act of doing it it's it's just and you go oh that was so much easier than i thought that would be a lot harder to do and now it's done and i thought it would take longer yeah it takes nothing to do but there's this resistance to just so true finishing that put the hook in, take the photo, yep. clean your desktop, yep. all of that sort of stuff because it's so satisfying when it's done. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, there you go. That's what's going to happen. Mm, very productive week. I'll be eating and you'll be <laughs> putting hooks in the back of stuff, <laughs> thinking about eating hot cross buns. And no doubt, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to do that to you, Val. <laughs> yes. All right, so um, where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on social media, all social media, at Gina Militia. So Instagram, Twitter, uh, mostly. And if you want to take your photography to the next level and make 2021 the year that you kick all those photography goals, then I'd love to work with you. You go and check out the goal community. So just go to ginamilitia.com. And hang on, it's change, Valerie. What is it? Click on what? Is it join the community? No, it is. That is a very good question and I should know the answer. So just faff around the website, you'll find it. <laughs> it's somewhere there. But, you know, let's just assume it's join the community. It's ginamilitia.com uh, and then click on membership. Membership, there yeah. you go. What about you, Val? Uh, you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, 
and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMalaysia.com.